This morning, we're going to talk about pure revelation shaping our lives. Pure revelation shaping our lives. A lot of people can have revelations. A lot of people have dreams. Some people eat too much cheese, drink too much wine, and they have all kind of nightmares going on, and they call it, God spoke to me last night, yeah. I'm sure he did. The God of red wine, the God of cheese spoke to you last night. But in the Bible, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 1, it said, The revelation of Jesus Christ. It wasn't revelation about Jesus Christ. It was a revelation of Jesus Christ. Something that we need to clearly see that when we're having a revelation... It must be of Jesus Christ. It must concern Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John, who testifies to everything he saw. That is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Very powerful scripture. Very powerful scripture. The revelation of Jesus Christ. So here we see that John was taken up by and through the Holy Ghost. So if we're going to have a revelation that's going to shape our life, it must involve the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost must be speaking to us rather than you imagining it. Or you conjuring it up. Are you thinking about something and think, hey, that was good, a good thought. It must involve the Holy Spirit. Why must it involve the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is the revealer of truth. He only takes what he hears the Father saying and the Son saying and makes it known to you and I. So we can trust him. We can trust him 100%. So that's why our revelations that shapes our life that must be from the Holy Ghost. God must speak. God must speak about his son. I said the other week, it's time to hear what the father has to say about his son. It's, it's no use keep hearing preachers talk about their ideas of what they want the church to be or think the church should be. It's time we entered into revelation of what God is speaking about his own son. Because it's the revelation that God speaks about his own son that will change your life and form your life and fashion your life and shape your life. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Everything's built upon Jesus Christ. So he's taken up into the spirit and he's shown what must soon take place. Now it's amazing how everybody writes books about what's going to take place. But they don't do it by revelation. They do it by study. So if they do it by study alone, then it, it, then it kind of falls back down to human deduction. But it, if it starts off with a revelation, it must continue with a revelation. True? So when many people talk about the revelation, and when they talk about revelations as in the book, they look at superpowers on the earth. Well, we know superpowers change. You need a revelation. And the only way you can understand what's going on in the book of Revelation is by looking at the church, not looking at the world. 
Why? Because what God's doing in the church will accelerate what's going on outside the world. It's the church we should be looking at. Amen? We don't respond to what's going on in the world. The world responds to what's going on with the church. Because everything that's going on is a move of God. And this is where so many theologians get it wrong. They look at it from the wrong end of the animal. We should be looking at the church. So we must understand the revelation of the church. So we must understand the revelation of the one who's given the revelation. Does that make sense? So we must know Jesus. So we can know about Jesus. So we can respond to Jesus. Does that make sense? So this revelation was given to help the saints. You are a saint. And why was it given to help the saints? To help them understand of what must soon take place. So when a revelation comes to your life, it's about what's going to soon take place in your life or around your life. God has given us revelation and he's giving us revelation that's going to affect your life. So when God gives me a revelation to speak to you, that word, if you grab hold of it, will begin to shape your life. If you take it and out of that word, you get your revelation. Does that make sense? So you're able to taste it. You're able to see that the Lord is good. Yeah? So when you taste and see that the Lord is good, it's a blessed is the man. So the man who takes the revelation and eats the food becomes blessed. Why? Because he gets his own portion. Makes sense. So it comes to his servants. Now listen, here's the key thing. When it comes to his servants, what does it include? When it, it must include the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So when the revelation comes, it must include the word of God and it must include the testimony of Jesus Christ. This is a revelation that's going to shape and shake the world. So God is taking John up by the Spirit and he's showing him what must soon take place. Now you and I are part of what is going to take place. So it's going to shape and it's going to affect our lives. So the more we can understand of this revelation, the more we can allow it to shape us. We don't have to fear the end times. Why? Because we've got the testimony. And what do we overcome him with? The testimony. And by the blood of the lamb. So it's this testimony that empowers us to overcome. So we need this revelation. Listen, we need this revelation of Jesus so that you have power to push the enemy out of your territory. You need this revelation so you have power, you have word, you have experience, you have breakthroughs. All those things become your testimony, which then gives you a voice. And this voice is what then pushes the enemy when he comes to your life. So we can say, well, I know him as my redeemer. I know him as my healer. I know him as my savior. I know him as my king. I know him as my restorer. Why? That's your testimony. Your testimony is on Jesus Christ. It's not about what you went through. It's about the one who walked you through it. Remember that. It's not about what you went through. It's about the one who held your hand and walked you through it. Your testimony is on Jesus Christ, not what you went through. There's a revelation right there. 
If people stopped traveling the world telling people what happened and started telling people about the one who held their hand and walked them through it, the world would be a different place. I suffered, I did this, I did that. It's all relevant and it all has a context. But the one who held your hand is the one we should polarize around. He's the one who brought me through it. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod and your staff, his rod, his staff. Talk about the one who's holding the rod and the one who's holding the staff. Because he's the one who's got the answer. He's the revelation. The revelation isn't a piece of information. The revelation is the person. You've captured a dimension of his heart. Now it's yours. Hey. So, this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants. Are you his servant? So it was given to you. Of what, why was it given to you? For what must soon take place. He made it known by sending an angel. Now we have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is coming to us and will come to us. Even tonight he'll come to us and he'll set things in our hearts. Why? Because he's the one who's revealing what's going on behind what we can't see. God's got a global picture. God isn't sweating and planning what's going to take place. He's already planned it. It's already working. God isn't thinking, stressing, make sure this has happened. Make sure that's him. He's already chilled up there. It's already working for him. So what we need to know is we need to move, get a revelation of what he is, where he is, what he sees, how he sees it, so we can come into the place of rest and peace. Yeah? Because while I'm stressing over my little dot, he's got the whole world in his sight. God doesn't work by the dot to dot. He works by the big picture. Amen? So, we see here, a man who captured and carried a revelation, carried a spirit of hope. When you, carry a, when you catch a revelation of Jesus Christ, instantly hope comes into your heart. Look what happened to Simeon here. Moved by the spirit. Oh, just stop right there. Moved by the Spirit. So where does the re- who's the author of the, of the revelation he's about to have? The Spirit. So already, Simeon is being moved internally by the Holy Ghost. This is where revelation must start in us. The Holy Ghost must move us. Hey, come on church. He must start in the Spirit. So he went into the temple courts. Now was that physically? Yes. But he was moved internally to go into the temple. Right? So when the priest brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him, which was custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms. It's like me taking all the Tembi's child right now in my arms. Simeon took him in his arms and praising God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. Wow. This old man had been waiting and waiting and waiting. He captured something long ago. God had put something in his heart. He had had a revelation that one day his eyes would see the Christ. Now, how did he know he says, as they brought the child into the temple, as it was a custom around about that time. So let's just say he was going for dedication. There might have been a lot of children in that temple. 
But something in his spirit captured, that's the child. That's the one there. Something inside him was moved to, for him to then begin. All my days, God has been watching and waiting. And now is the moment of fulfillment. Can you imagine seeing a child is the fulfillment of everything you've ever hoped for? Not even his child. But he captured heaven's vision. He captured heaven's revelation. So when he stopped, he went, light, I can go home now. You can dismiss your servant in peace. The end has come. I've seen the Christ child. That's it. I'm out of here. Want to beam up? Wow. He'd seen the child. His eyes had captured the revelation of the light of the world. Deep within his heart, he knew he was looking for it. Every day his spirit was doing that. Scanning. And then one day the Holy Ghost says, Simeon, go to the temple. Okay, I'll go to the temple. Ah, my eyes have seen him. Bam, instantly drawn to the child in the temple. Wow. God promised him he would do it. And did God answer? Yes. Wow. Even his physical eyes, I would imagine, at his age would have been going dim. But the eyes of his spirit saw that that was the child. That's revelation right there. Revelation, when the eyes of your spirit overcome the physical, natural man. Why? Because this thing has started in the spirit and now it must manifest in the spirit. This is the revelation that shaped Simeon's life. These are revelations that will shape your life. You see, if we leave Christ, here's the issue of Christmas. We do not help anyone by leaving him in the manger. We do all we do the heavens and the word of God no favors by talking about Jesus in the manger. We must take him out the and show the people how he became the man, Christ Jesus. He doesn't die for people in the manger. He died for people out the manger, on the cross. He was Christmas to keep saying baby Jesus. No, no, he's not baby Jesus. The man, Christ Jesus. The man Christ Jesus. And until we get Christ back into the Christmas message, we'll never get, the people will never get the revelation of the Christ. That's why I stopped nativities a long time ago. That's why we changed, when we changed our Christmas uh, productions, we went a different route rather than keep showing people the baby Jesus. Now it's all right having a baby Jesus in your scene, providing he's not, that's not the main emphasis. Show him. The man Christ Jesus, not the baby Christ Jesus. You know, all those people who, I'm sure Tembi and Z this morning would say, they're hoping that their child will grow up. They don't waste food so it can just stay alive. They spend food and, and give love so the child can grow. Why? Because there's no point having a child and carrying it around and always remaining a little kid. You want the child to become, they want the baby to become a child, the child to become a teenager, the teenager to become a man or a woman, the woman to become whatever. You, you plan to have children to raise them. That's what we must do. This revelation must raise us and shape us. Amen? So moved by the Spirit. Without divine revelation being received, his faith could never have been turned into reality. Without a divine revelation, your faith can never be turned into reality. Our faith must turn 
into reality. I cannot just keep hoping for things. I need to see them. Do you understand that, church? A lot of people who talk about faith, but they never see anything. But I'm just still believing, still believing. No, my faith must be turned into reality. It must have substance. Without revelation, this was just another dedication. You see, church, we must see by revelation the potential in our children. We think about this. The church opens its doors for dedications, baptisms. Why? Because that's what society wants. Why? Because that's, that's the religious spirit working in our society. They don't want God. They don't want church. But it's the in thing to have a baptism. Okay? So we bring everybody. And it's like the next part of the wedding. You have the wedding. Now you all dress up and tug up again. And the baby cries. And the, you know puts water over the baby's head. Then they go back and put a lot more water <laughs> into the baby's head. Drinking. And it's a religious ceremony. Nothing's changed. Everybody bought new clothes, spent some money on a, on a, on a baptism, but nothing changed because you can't baptize children into the kingdom. Right? So parents who don't even follow Christ, but it's my religion, I'm a Catholic, I'm a Protestant, we've got to do this. This is what we do. But when dedication comes, as a Christian, we dedicate children. We realize that children... Not only can't we baptize children into the kingdom, but every child has a purpose. Every child is not wasted. Every child is here by God. We heard last week when you were in your mother's womb, I saw you from afar, the value of life. So we recognize by revelation that the children that we're dedicating has as power, as potential, and as a promise. So when we dedicate them and then we put them, you know, we send them to this, this side of the building here to be trained, they're not being babysat. They're not being looked after. I know that's what it might feel to you. Get Johnny out my way. Let them look after him for, so I can sit down and, and I just want to hear the word. You get real. You just want your kids off your hands for an hour and a half. But they're not off your hands. Don't ever think that we are minding your kids, whether it's there or there. We believe in the power of your children. Why? Because we have a revelation that God can, we, if we can sow a prophetic seed into this child, the kid's mark for destiny. That's what revelation does. We're not looking after kids. We are raising them. Okay? So without revelation, we can have another dedication or we can have an empowering session. As soon as I lay my hands on the child, I believe something has crossed over. It now carries a seed because I've, I've, I've released the prophetic word by revelation. That word never returns void. Come on, think about this. So your kids are carrying promises, seed. But you may not know how to develop that and mature that, but we do. It's amazing. If God has to bypass you, the parent, he will do. But he'll make sure someone comes in that lineage or in, across your kid's life, so it can continue what you're not doing. God is serious about Johnny and Sally. If you don't have Johnny and Sally, you've got one. It's a generic term. Somebody once said to me, who's Johnny and Sally you keep talking about? You need a revelation to understand who Johnny and Sally is. So without revelation, without revelation, we're going nowhere. We're doing nothing. Revelation really 
do, revelations really do shape people's lives. They do. When you had a revelation of Jesus Christ and you needed forgiving, you had a, you had a revelation of the forgiving nature of Jesus. But you still haven't had a full revelation of Jesus. Because you've seen the saving nature of Jesus. You haven't seen the redeeming. You haven't seen the, the restoring. You haven't seen the healing. You haven't seen the warrior, the victor, the victor. You haven't understood those sides. Why? Because he gave you the revelation of saving grace. That's just one revelation that you had of Jesus. But now as we continue in our walk, we need many, many revelations of Jesus Christ. True? See, again, let's use the illustration of Zine Tembe's child. The baby knows mum. Right now, it's got a bonding with mum. It knows that when it cries, mum will feed her. She doesn't know how much money mum's got in the bank. She'll discover that revelation down the line. She'll discover when she asks for things at certain times of the year, birthdays, hey, and she'll, she, I get certain things, and she'll discover by revelation that if I'm a little bit cheeky, I can push the boat out. True? Do not, all, do not all children work by that revelation? If I keep mithering and asking, I might get it. So dad says, if you keep mithering, you'll give you something else in a minute. That's another revelation. But it's a revelation nonetheless. So a child will push, push, push to find out the boundaries. So when we are when we are pushing in the spirit and we are walking with God, we need to realize that every day we put a demand on heaven, a revelation will shape our life. God will speak to us and it can literally turn us around and send us in a different way. That's how powerful a revelation can be. Saul on the road, an evil murderer, gets a revelation, Jesus' light shines, and he hears a voice. Now notice, all the guys around him didn't see what Paul saw. His revelation was different from theirs. Paul, I will show you, why do you persecute me? Revelation. It's me you're having a go at. Not them, me. Straight away, Paul has a revelation of Jesus Christ. Now I'm going to show you, Paul... What you must suffer for my name's sake. Now he has a revelation of his name. Now, Paul, go to Straight Street. I'm going to send somebody, and he's going to lay hands on you, and you're going to see. Now he's got a revelation of Jesus as the healer. Now I'm going to show, he's going to tell you what you must do. Now he's got a revelation of what he's being called for. This revelation shaped his entire life. Wow. This is why we must. Hit the dimensions of the Spirit so we too can have the same revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we can drive the enemy out of our life. Dream Center, there's revelations coming to us this year so that we can progress. There's, there's revelations coming to us this year so that we can prosper. There's revelations coming to us this year. Now, when I say they're coming, they're not just going to drop. You have to hunger and thirst for our three Ps. Progression, progress. What was the other one? Protection. We need revelation that he is, my, he is my warrior. He is my warrior. He'll send him. He'll send all heaven's resources to me if I need him. Amen? So, a revel an example of a revelation 
what it can do for you, and what it, what if you don't have a revelation, what it doesn't do for you needs to be needed. It's just it needs to be obtained. I need to understand that if I get a revelation, it's going to empower me. But I also need to get a revelation, if this doesn't sound tongue-twisting, I need to get a revelation that if I don't get a revelation, I'm in trouble. Does that make sense? I need to, this walk is not just by faith, but it's by faith and revelation on Jesus Christ. So every time I get a revelation of Jesus Christ, it's given to me to go further. And if I don't have that revelation, all I'm stuck with is what everybody else knows. I don't want to know what everybody else knows. I want to know what nobody knows so I can help others cross over. True? This revelation that John received was given for the saints to warn them and empower them of what must come. Now, it wasn't only given to him, the believer. It was given to us, the believer, and the future readers. This revelation of Jesus Christ is still shaping lives. And it will shape our very life. Amen? So, an example of what revelation could do in Proverbs 29, verse 18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words. Listen to this. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words. Though he understands, he will not respond. Think of that. Why is that verse right after where there's no revelation? Where there's no revelation, the people will cast off straight. In other words, some translations use the word vision. So where there's no revelation and no vision, the people begin to get tetchy. Angry, frustrated. Why? Because they're going nowhere. They know that they're going nowhere. So what you end up doing is ending up to keep people in church. You create programs. You create entertainment. Why? Because you're going nowhere, but at least you feel you're going somewhere. So if we make the ship, you know, a love boat, or we make it whatever it is to keep you, at least you all feel that we're going somewhere. But you're going nowhere, in fact. So we need a revelation to know that we're going nowhere. No matter how good it feels, we still need to be going somewhere. Does that make sense? So here we see, it says in the next verse, 19, a servant cannot be corrected by mere words. Now, listen, here's the point. I've been preaching and teaching and better preachers than me have come before me and will come after me. And still some of you won't change. Hello? Yes, I'm talking about you. Some of you still won't change. Why won't you change? I think I've got all my ducks in a row. I've got good revelation. I, listen, revelation from here, outwards, revelation. But from there to where you are, just words. Hear me what I'm saying here. So right now I can be hearing, sat here for ages, hearing the preacher, preacher, preacher. Seven years I was in a church. They were telling me about Jesus. Seven years. Years I was hearing words. Seven years. Some of you have been in the church a lot longer than seven years. Until one day, I'm in David's house. I wasn't even in church. God speaks. I get a revelation. Some things will never change by mere words. They'll only change by you receiving a revelation. You can go to church. You can hear the finest preachers, the most eloquent of preachers, the most powerful of preachers, and nothing changes in your life. Why? Because you're used to hearing words. 
You've got form set up. You know church, you know the formula of church, but you deny the God of power. So you hear the words, you're never transformed by the words until one day you get a revelation. And revelation comes and it sets the whole course of your life on a different path. Welcome to the church. The church is a place of revelation. It's not a place of words. It's a place for revelation of Jesus Christ. Now you can go to many churches and you'll hear some wonderful sermons. Words. But if you don't capture, that doesn't mean to say they're wrong, by the way. I'm talking about the words to the hearer. The words to the hearer, if the hearer does not get a revelation, they're just nice words. So we must continue to keep the heavens open so we can get the revelation. Because the same spirit that's revealing to John is still revealing to us. True? I hope this is helping you. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. A servant cannot be corrected by mere words. Wow. Though he understands, he will not respond. Why? Because he has no revelation. That's why they cast off restraint. There's no revelation. There's a Bible study. There's a prayer meeting. Phil goes to a church not so long ago. Comes to do a Bible study. So, silly me. If I'm going to a Bible study, what do you expect to take place in a Bible study? And maybe it's a difficult question, but the answer is in the question. It's a Bible study. So you'd expect to study the Bible, would you not? So he went expecting to study the Bible, as was on the brief given to him. But the, but the wooden Indians had all sat there. No Bible, no pen, no piece of paper. But they've come to study the Bible. No, they haven't. They've come to listen. They haven't come to study at all. They've come to listen. Why? Because they're set up to hear words. He's the one carrying the revelation for the moment that's going to help someone. What do they hear? Words. Words don't come easy. They do in many churches. Do you remember that place? Of course you do. So then his revelation confuses people or antagonizes them. Yeah. When people are not set up to receive the things of the Spirit, they will discern them by the natural element. And then they'll chase you and pursue you to fight you. True? Or they'll withhold their offering to you. As he found out. Don't like, this is what he said. Don't like what you preach, you're getting nothing this morning. That's what they did. Can you imagine? Guess what? Guess who's not getting no revelation? And they struggle. Why they're looking for a pastor? There's the answer right there. He gave this revelation for the church. It wasn't given to the world. It was given by the Spirit to the church. Through a man called John. For the church. For the church. So everything must be Understood within the context of the church, not what's going on in Russia, not what's going on in the Middle East. He gave it to the church. Amen. So 
Revelation, how many of you know, Revelation shapes our thoughts and behavior. It shapes our thoughts and behavior. Thoughts and behavior. The two are inseparable. What you think about, you then begin to bring to an action. That's why the Bible says, think on these things. Yeah? So the revelation of the believer not needing to be circumcised in the New Testament was a major piece of revelation. Why? As it was taught by the custom of Moses, Moses taught by Jewish custom that everyone should be circumcised. Right? So is this a, is this a piece of law? It is. It's not a revelation at this point. It's a piece of law. Everyone must be circumcised. Or every male, I should say. Not everyone. Girls, you can't be circumcised. But God is about to change the nature of the revelation. And he's going to put it in the church. And it's going to cause mayhem. Now watch me. Listen to me. It's going to cause mayhem in the church. Because they've been operating on the law. Now, they're operating by the law of the Spirit. So now Paul is about to introduce, or the Holy Ghost is about to introduce, some new revelation that's going to change the church's behavior and thinking forever. Gentlemen, look at me. You no longer have to be circumcised by the flesh. Every Jew is still circumcised today. There's wailing in the camp. But you as a believer no longer have to be circumcised. But if this revelation didn't get in the church, you would still be have to circumcised. Hello? You would have to be. Because this was the law. So now he's saying in Acts 15.1, Some men came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the customs, and now we've got customs, Religious custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Ready? So that's their thoughts and beliefs affected. Their thoughts and beliefs are now affected. Because these guys are teaching, you must be, if you're going to be a Christian, David, you're going to have to, you have to be a Christian, we'll accept you as a Christian, but you've got to do it the Jewish way. So therefore, lad, we're going to go around the back of the tent, sharpen the knives, Drop them, gone, flesh, circumcision gone. <gasps> That's what it meant. That's exactly what it meant. Thank God for revelation. Thank God for revelation. Now every man can uncross his legs and feel at peace. Oh, my Lord. Thank God for heavenly revelation. He's saying, no, 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 no. They are not under the law anymore. It is by grace you are saved. So now the Holy Ghost is bringing the church into a new revelation that's going to shape their thoughts and behavior. Let's read on a little bit. Unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and they debated with them. I bet they did. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some of the other believers to go to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So a new action was now required because they were brassed off. Paul and Barnabas are saying, dudes, you're wrong. You're so wrong. This is not the revelation that I've received. Paul, 
This is not the revelation I've received. So now he's challenging the thoughts of the religious system. There were good men, every one of them, but they hadn't yet moved into their revelation. So it was causing conflict. Hello? So if you go into, a, say for instance, a Baptist church, example, that isn't filled with the Holy Ghost, your revelation of the Holy Ghost will cause conflict. What you class as freedom here on a Sunday morning, standing up, raising your hands, some churches will stop you raising your hands. What we take for granted now in music, some churches will not have music. They, what they, pref- they say a cappello. Have you heard some of our voices? We need music. Other churches will not allow you to speak in tongues. But you've got the freedom. Why? Because our revelation of freedom, of the grace and freedom of Christ, allows us to go to another level. True? But in certain parts of the world, in church, it will cause and create conflict. So, this, this potential piece of revelation here could have held the church in bondage. It could have kept them in form and tradition. Now, you and I don't see sometimes the significance of this. But you are now a recipient of what Paul broke through. The church of the, of, of the New Testament church has been birthed by revelation. Revelations upon revelation upon revelation. The kingdom is being restored. The kingdom's advancing. So it needs to be done by revelation. What was lost through the dark ages has now been restored and is being restored. But we must understand, nothing, as you, you and I take for granted what we have today, but it's come by revelation and conflict. All the way through history, read your history books, conflict. Revelation created conflict. Luther's revelation, Martin Luther, I don't mean the one I have a dream, I mean the one we came before him. Even Luther's revelation of I have a dream caused him conflict. Martin Luther, the one who had the, the just the, uh, the live by faith, it created conflict for him. They killed him. The Catholic Church attacked him. So we need revelation. So what they didn't realize when they were arguing about this, they didn't realize the significance of John chapter 1 verse 17 and Romans 2.28. Why? Because they didn't have a New Testament Bible like you and I have. We must understand, they only had the law. This Bible was now being given to them by revelation. Yes? So in John 1.17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. What a revelation. What a revelation. John 1.17, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth come through Jesus Christ. What a revelation. Then in Romans 2, 28, he says, A man is not a Jew, listen to this, if he's only one outwardly, nor, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No man is a Jew if he is one, if he is one inwardly. And circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit. Not by the written code. Such men's praise is not from man, but from God. So what he's saying is, is guys, we do not, no longer have to obey the law of Moses because Jesus Christ fulfilled it. A man is no longer circumcised in his flesh. He's circumcised in his heart. 
He's now washed, cleansed. His flesh has been cut off by the spirit. It's a spiritual birth. And all those things we learned in sonship, that's what happened. Conversion, justification, sanctification, all those things. So now the way is open to go all the way to God. But these guys were still resisting it because they wanted to keep the people under the law. Can you see this? So Barnabas, along with Paul, and then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, another Judas and Silas, were sent from the Jewish council to go and correct and bring the teaching back to the church and tell the guys, look, Peter had a revelation on the roof with Cornelius. Peter doesn't want to eat. Why? Because he sees the still separation between Jews and Gentiles. And then through a vision, a revelation, uh, heaven shows Peter all these animals. Get up and eat. These are unclean. Don't call what's unclean. You know, don't call what's clean unclean. I'm showing you that the Jews and the Gentiles now still have, we've lost signal. The Jews and the Gentiles still I should say, are no longer separate. They're now one. That was a revelation. A mighty revelation. Can you see this church? So Paul and Silas and Judas and Barnabas have to go and correct and bring this teaching back into the church. So the church now has the same revelation. So now circumcision of the hands is gone. And all the men shouted, hey! True? It's gone. <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> We've lost the signal, so you now have to use your Bible. Oh. In Acts 15, 27, 28, there, therefore we are sending Judas and Silas to confirm by word of mouth what we are writing. In other words, what they've decided in the Jewish council now, they're now going to send it out and write to all the brothers, go out, preach and teach to them. It seemed good to us and the Holy Ghost not to burden with you with anything beyond the following requirements. So no longer, what he's saying is, guys, circumcision is no longer on the agenda. It's off. Now what we need to concentrate on is sacrifices uh, to idols, strangled animals, sexual immorality. And he says, and you'll do well if you avoid these things. So what he's done is they've changed the agenda. So now what they're saying is we need revelation on these things. Two. So Paul knew. Where have you come to there? How come you've got something I haven't got? Oh, we're going back. Okay. Paul knew that revelation shapes our life. He knew that he knew that revelation has to be pure. It can't be contaminated by man's opinion. It has to be what's coming from heaven. Amen. So many men, you know, really do mess up this. Paul knew. Paul knew. So, I don't know where we're in the slides now. We seem to be gone ahead. So, I'm not going to use the slides now from here on. Paul knew that this revelation was serious, serious. And he knew it had to be pure in order to turn them around. Guys, if you're going to turn people around from their ways, their wayward ways, your revelation has to be pure and sincere. It can't be opinion because people are not following your gospel. They're following the the gospel of the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
It's not your gospel. It's his gospel given to you. Amen. So Galatians chapter two, verse one. Also, we've said that, haven't we? We've gone to there. Haven't we? Oh, no. Okay. In Galatians chapter two, verse one to two, it says, 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas, took Titus along, uh, along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach amongst the Gentiles. The revelation. But I did it this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Now listen, hear what I'm saying. Paul was so concerned that the revelation that he had, he knew he was ahead of the game. He knew he was ahead of the game. Sometimes, guys, your revelation may put you at the front of the race. Right? Just leave that there. Just leave it there, Ralph. I can... Oh, sorry. Go, on, go to the next one. Go on. Keep going. Go on. Next one. Stop there. Stop there. Paul knew that his revelation put you at the end of the game. Now listen, when some people, a religious man will confuse revelation with knowledge. A religious man will stand and he'll try to teach you what he knows. Or he'll save a little bit more. He'll say, sorry, he'll hold some back because he doesn't want you to come to the same level. That's called religion. Okay? A religious man will do that. The Pharisees loved to stand in the streets. They knew that they had something that the people didn't have. Religion does that. But a man of revelation will share openly so that he can empower you so you can come to the same place that he is. Or what the, God, or what the revelation is teaching. Not so much where he is, but the, you can come to the same level as the revelation. Amen? So Paul went, he was, he was drawn, he was, he was moved by the Spirit to create a new action. He wanted to bring the Gentiles into a new understanding of this gospel. So much so, he was prepared that this gospel, if it's going to bring me hardship, so it be. So let it be. I'm prepared to do whatever it takes in order for this revelation to become a reality in somebody else's life. Now hear, hear that. That's the price of revelation. What we say is revelation is very often knowledge. Knowledge you have to write down and store because you can forget knowledge. But a revelation inside your heart, you'll never forget it. Why? Because it's been inscribed by the Holy Ghost. Knowledge, you, I have to write notes down. But you know, I love it when I go to uh, Malaysia and Jonathan David starts talking straight away. Bum, 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 bum. I just feel like, you know, his gun's going all the way through it. Revelation, revelation, revelation. I only have to write one word down. I can sum up a revelation in one word. Pow! Yeah? And I know I don't have to write it down. Why? Because I can go back to my room later and write it down because I've captured it. But if he says, right, write down this. You know, example of what a revelation can do for you if received and cannot do for you if not received. What did he say? I can't remember that. I can't remember words. Or I'm lazy around words. It's probably more an accurate description. But when a revelation comes on the inside, it's like the file is inside. And then it just, doom. Hey. 
That's the revelation that Jesus Christ wants you and I to have. Paul was motivated by a fresh revelation. So much so that it was sending him to the Gentiles. So, 14 years I went up, he said. So many people don't have revelation, they have knowledge. And then that knowledge gets polluted. And then that, that knowledge then becomes their opinion. And that opinion then becomes their doctrine. And that doctrine is already impure. Why? Because it's now tainted by their opinion. So it's no longer a fr fresh, living revelation. This is why you and I must press in for the revelation of Jesus Christ. It must be about him. It's not about what God's doing with your life. That's not your revelation. That, your revelation is built upon him. The one who's holding your hand is the revelation, not the circumstances. So we went through rain, we went through storms. He didn't talk about the storms, he just said we went through them. Paul says we went through all that kind of stuff. I went through the valley, he didn't describe the valley. He didn't go into great detail. He just said I walked through, though I walked through the valley of the shadow of death. He just let you know it was a shadow of death. It wasn't the real thing. But then he focuses on your rod and your staff. We must start talking about him. Not what we're going through. Wow. We want, to, we want to talk about what we're going through. But if we can talk about the one who's walking us through what we're going through, other people will get a, a glimpse of what you've got hold of. Amen? This is good stuff. Here is a revelation. Let me give you a revelation that will shape your life. Can I give you one this morning? Go to Ephesians chapter 1 verse 17. I'm going to give you a revelation that's going to knock your socks off. If you don't know that phrase, welcome this morning to Mancunianism. Knock your socks off. Blow your mind. I'm going to send a 240 volt through your circuits. Ephesians 1.17. I keep asking the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Because with revelation needs wisdom. You need to know how to use it. Okay, so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glory and inheritance in the saints and his incompatibly great power for us who believe. This power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him. At the, high, at the right hand in the, in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power, and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Here's the revelation. A revelation to know the Lord Jesus Christ and the, and the glorious Father better. In fact, if I put that on there, it's there somewhere. Let me see if I can find it. Hey, where's it gone? Holy Ghost. <laughs> there it is. A revelation to know. Listen to me. I'll leave that up there. You can write that down at your own leisure, as the Americans call it. Beyond leisure. A revelation to know the Lord Jesus Christ and the glorious Father 
better. Who doesn't need that revelation? I need that revelation. And then Paul says, a revelation to know the size and nature and dimension of hope that he has called you to. Wow. Who doesn't need a revelation of the sight of the hope that God has called you to? Hey, come on, respond. (laughs) Of course we do. How many people get really, really down because they can't see the way out of something? They can't see the hope. Hope, you can't live two seconds without hope. So we need the size, our size of our hope needs to increase. So we need revelation. So the size of our hope can increase. Amen? I don't, I don't care what's going on in Manchester. I have hope. I don't care how dark it is. Light is bigger than hope, than darkness. I don't care how backslidden my children are. I have hope that God will bring them back. I have hope. My, my daughter is away from God. But I have this inner peace that don't worry, son, she will be back. So I pray about it, but I don't fret about it. I've got peace that God has got her number. He knows how to email Laura. A revelation to understand and enter into the inheritance of the saints. If everything has been given for life and godliness, then I need to know what that everything is. I need to know what that entails. I need a revelation of that. This is going to shape my life. That's why pure revelation shapes our lives. A revelation to know and witness is incomparably great power for us who believe. Wow. See, I'm writing this down. This is my revelation. This is my revelation of the revelation. I'm smart enough to know that I need a revelation in this area. That's what I was trying to tell you before. I'm not tongue twisting you. I'm smart and I've had a revelation that I need a revelation. I need a revelation to understand the significance of knowing and fellowshipping with the one who is seated above every rule, power, dominion and title. Not only in this present age, but in the age to come. I need to see that magnificence. I need a revelation of the one who's on the throne. Not only in this age, but in the one to come. He's my king. He's my lord. He's majesty. That's the ruling, reigning monarchy in heaven. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. I need to know. I need to see. I need to catch a glimpse of what those guys are seeing. I need a revelation to know what has been placed under his feet. Oh. I need a revelation to know what's been placed under his feet so I can take the same position and put sickness and death and all that other stuff so I can take dominion into every domain. It's under his feet. I need a revelation to understand how this empowers us as a church. What does this mean for us as a church? If we can get this into the lives of every saint in this church, how will that transform our church? Wow. You see, I don't know about you, but I'm not blowing smoke here. I've known in the last year, two years, my revelation of this word has increased. So as I'm preaching to you and speaking to you, I know that what you're getting, a lot of people are not getting. And I know that this, been, this is coming from heaven. 
This is pure. This is good stuff. You can get there. If you can just camp on these things this week. Oh, my Lord. Lord, I keep asking. Why does he keep asking? Because he knows the church, how desperate the church needs this revelation. I keep asking the Lord, the God. I keep asking the Lord Jesus and the glorious Father that he may give you. Let me read the context so I get it proper for you. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit, it's a spirit dimension of revelation and wisdom. Wow. When I go to Australia, I'm going to open up the first session I speak on will be upon the spirit of wisdom. I haven't spoken to you. But the spirit of wisdom that needs to come upon us. I'm going to speak things I've never spoke to you about. Why? Because such is the revelation God's given me. He's given you your portion and he's given me my portion for the nations. So if you're going to speak 10 times in, a, in, in one school, I better have something to say when I get there. So I need revelation for the school of the prophets in Melbourne and Adelaide. I need revelation because when I get back and we do our school of the prophets, it won't be what I spoke there. So I need revelation. I need a whole bunch of revelation for our school. So I need revelation for Melbourne and Adelaide. And then I need revelation for EYC when I speak to the youth in Switzerland. Because what I speak to the youth in Switzerland will not be what I spoke to the Australians about or what I'm going to speak to you about. So you can see the picture how I'm being stretched this year. I need revelation. And I'm thinking, God Almighty, if you don't give it me, I am finished. I'm wise enough to know that I need a revelation about a revelation. And then I need revelation to feed us on a Sunday, to empower us on a Sunday, to keep us on the cutting edge. This isn't about me, by the way. This is about him. Keeping a man. Listen, if you think you're being stretched, take my coat. I said to you, this year is stretching me. My oh, my oh my. So, by the way, last one. A revelation to receive his body, the fullness of him who fills everything. The revelation to receive his body. What did we do this morning? We took his body. That's the first thing I prayed this morning. Lord, give me a revelation of your body. Give me a revelation because I know what I'm going to speak. I was able to pray it around communion this morning. Give me a revelation of your body. Let me see. Let me see what you know. Let me touch that dimension because Paul says, I, I will not stop until I've entered into this resurrection. I will not stop until I have partaken these sufferings. Paul understood there's a revelation about his body and what it will entail for you and I. If Paul can push for it, why can't we? Why can't we? Why can't we? Wow. We're going to stop. Because I've got so much more to say. I think this morning, if nothing else, I want to put on your radar, you need, we need a revelation. But what revelation do we need, church? A revelation of Jesus Christ, his testimony. We need a pure revelation that will shape our lives. I will tell you what those revelations are that we need. As we progress through this, I will show you the revelations that Jesus, of Jesus Christ, the Son. So you can have the same revelations. 
So once we know what the father's given, spoken about his son, you know what he said about his son. And therefore you can start praying into that and move into that area. Lord, this is the area I need to move in. Because this is what will make you, this will turn you into his nature and to his image. Once you know the nature of the son, and the Bible says that you are part of the son, then you can become like him. Once you know what they are. Now, here's the, here's the issue. We've been talking about purity, have we not? Here, right here now, at this next phase of where we're going as a church in the purity of the revelation, this is where we'll be found out. This is where we will be found out because it's one thing to want our church to be a, different, a place with a difference. It's one thing for, for us to want a church with good worship and, and good fellowship. All those things are external. But when you start talking about you want to become like him, your heart will be found out. Because right now, if you want the same revelations working and operating in you to bring you that progress and that provision, then all of a sudden, the heat gets turned up on us. And once we turn away from this, we can never go back to him and keep saying, I want to be like Jesus. You want to be like Jesus? Then you will get found out when you start praying these revelations. But these revelations, I am determined by God's grace, these revelations are going to become our revelations. This is what will turn us into a church, into a governing house. These revelations. If we build on these revelations, we will never, ever, ever be shaken or defeated. We can take that to the bank. We have his, we have his unswerving word that, he, that, that the God who says he's the same today, yesterday and forevermore will be that God to us. Once we build those dimensions into our lives. How many of you believe that? So let's stand to our feet if you will, please. <coughs> Oh, Father, we want your word. We want you, the person. And we will keep asking. We will keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the glorious Father. We will keep asking for this, Lord, put this nature within us to keep asking. Go on, church, put your hand on your heart and say, Lord, give me this nature. Give me this nature to keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and his glorious Father that he will give me the tenacity to keep asking for his wisdom and his revelation. Give me this spirit. Give me this spirit to know him, to seek for wisdom, to seek for understanding, to seek the revelation that can only be given by the Spirit of God. Spirit of truth, I ask you to give me this spirit so I may know you better. I want to partner with what Paul prayed. And my heart concurs with what Paul prayed. And I say, I too am like Paul. I too will keep asking that the church will know you, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and his glory. Father, that the church, the saints in the dream center will know you at that level.
that we will know those dimensions of what Paul prayed. Heavenly Father, come to us today. See the hunger in our hearts. See the thirsting. Increase it. Intensify it. So we too may carry that which Paul carried. The intensity within his spirit to know you deeper. Oh, Father, I ask you right now, as your son and your daughter, I stand before heaven and I pray, give it to me. Give it to me, your son. Give it to me, your daughter. I don't, I don't nonchalantly ask you. I ask you, I keep asking you to give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so I may know you better. Lord, I'm not asking for knowledge. I'm asking for wisdom and revelation of Jesus Christ and his testimony. Oh, Father, give us a revelation of what we're asking. Open our eyes. Let us see beyond what we've never seen before.